Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldana. It's been a wild freedom devastated by her first two medical births in the system, Rebecca became a doula to help women have better birth experiences. However, she quickly realized that path was just normalizing the abuse she herself had endured. So today, Rebecca shares the powerful story of her triple free birth. First her IUD, then her third child, and then a pregnancy loss all done in the comfort and safety of her own home, supported by those who loved her most. So uh, at the very beginning of my journey, I am 18 years old and getting married right away to um, my ex-husband. And we conceived our daughter Jayla right away. And this, she's 12 now. So that was quite a long time ago. And, you know, I didn't really, I don't feel like I even had the internet on my phone back then. So everything I know (laughs) about having baby number one came from, you know, books from the library. And um, I just went really medical, just did exactly what I was supposed to do, like a good girl. So um, at 38 weeks, I got my membrane stripped at the doctor's office. He asked, you know, would you like to do this? And I had no idea what it was and just agreed. And um, sure enough, I went into labor right after that. I head to the hospital that night. I was broke. And then I was told that um, internal monitoring, they screwed a metal piece into the top of her head. And um, then I had an episiotomy and they took the baby away from me right away. And I remember um, asking my ex-husband, like, can you just go get a picture of her face? Like, bring me a phone with a picture of her face. I just wanted to see her so bad. And the story that was told to me, you know, is, um, you know, we saved your life and we saved your baby's life. And I believed it for for years. I believed it. And um, she came back with an IV in her arm and jaundice. Saved your life from what? You know, know, like from you, like what? Followed Marconium. And back then I just thought like, oh, that's why, you know, she was born little and she was like green when she came out. And it was scary. You know, I was just surrounded by everyone and, and I had no idea what to expect. It was my first baby, but I knew for my next baby, I'm going to have a midwife instead. Mm. 
So about four months postpartum, I turned up pregnant. Oh, snap. And and then I moved to California and um, I found a group of midwives to help me this next time around. I just wanted everything to go a little smoother. And it did. I mean, I... Were they out of hospital midwives? No, they were. I didn't know anything about it yet. So they're in hospital midwives and... Um, you know, I took that gestational diabetes test with that poison juice (laughs) three times in a row. And I had to go in for frequent being weighed and they, you know, you weigh too much, you weigh too little, the baby weighs too much, baby weighs too little, just ultrasound after ultrasound and weigh in week after week. And ultimately I stayed home as long as I could and labored there, but I went to the hospital. I was six centimeters dilated. Um, they still gave me Pitocin and I got a botched epidural. So my whole back was black and blue and I've had nerve pain ever since. So um, they became out fine, still had jaundice and I just went into postpartum depression. And, you know, I just, baby blues is just what I thought it was. And it, it lasted a long time. I couldn't even tell you that I was depressed. That wasn't really even the words to describe it, but it was just overwhelming to even be a mother. And, um, fast forward, then I decided to become a doula and I thought I'll be a birth worker so I can help other women through this. And being a birth worker actually like normalized my experience to me. It made me feel like, okay, everyone goes through this. And at the end, the goal is just a healthy baby. And I quickly, you know, had to, I don't know relearn what is normal. Yeah. And it took years because really I was telling myself, um, the, the doctor saved my life. When you're told that and you you're looking at your beautiful babies and you're like, you know, I could have died. They told me I could have died. They told me that my baby could have died. The brilliant so, lie. Yeah. So it normalized it for me for a long time. And then I went to Joshua Tree for a music festival and I was a day late for the whole music festival. I had gotten the date wrong. I was a whole day late. But I went to this coffee shop and you know there was like a tack board with all these different um, people offering their services. And there was a free fertility awareness method um, class being hosted by someone local. And I live really close to Joshua Tree. So I was like, you know, this is strange, but I'm just going to do it. I just feel like yeah. I feel called to check it out. I never heard You're of it. You're already at a festival in Joshua Tree. You might as well go. <laughs> Might as well go. I met this wonderful woman named Maya and she taught me um, all about in our, it was like a three-part class. And in the first part, she taught us all about hormonal birth control and the effects on the body. And I was like, wow, it hadn't dawned on me until then that I had never completed like my hormone cycle with my daughter's birth and that maybe that was part of my postpartum depression. And also it had hit me in that moment that it was so abnormal. I hadn't had a period for 10 years. I had an IUD in back to back and I thought that it was just completely normal and actually like that I was blessed for not having one. Whoa. So she really inspired me and taught me about fertility awareness method. And I removed my own IUD. I came home from my second class in my um, bedroom and I free birthed my IUD. <laughs> I said, I got down <laughs> on my knees and I reached up as far as I could and I felt the string and, you know, I gave it a half a tug and then decided it didn't hurt and just gave it a full tug and pulled it all the way out. And that's when I got really serious about tracking my fertility and 
getting back on like a, a normal natural hormone cycle and being able to ovulate every month. Wow. Right. So meeting her is really this huge yeah, crossroads. She and Free Birth Society. Um, so after I met her and I went more natural and I tried to learn about, you know, my whole body's health and I started um, finding podcasts and looked up free birth podcast, <laughs> as in didn't cost money. I didn't realize that podcasts were free. Nice. <laughs> and you guys came up and you were, I think, just on your beginning episode. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So... I, um, so you free birthed your IUD. IUD out. Yeah. Yeah. I took the IUD out and I brought it to my new partner (laughs) and said, you know, I am interested in going to these other two classes with her and learning about fertility awareness method. But, and I've taken this out and are you on board to try this out with me? And if we do become pregnant, you know, we're going to chalk it up to, it was an accident and that we're learning together how to practice fertility awareness method. So he agreed and he went to the next classes with me and we learned fertility awareness together. And we practiced that successfully for about a year until I came home from Thanksgiving break on vacation. And he was at work that day and he comes home from his, um, for just like a dinner hour. And I go into the bathroom and I take the test because I just have this feeling. I'm, I'm only a few days late, but I had a feeling And I took the test in front of him and the two lines just lit up bright purple and I started bawling and he started bawling and he's crying happy tears and I'm crying like, oh crud, this was not planned. And we have a plan in place for if this happens, but like, what if I can't follow through with it? And he just wants a baby so bad. He's always wanted a baby. (laughs) So I'm just like paralyzed and in shock. And he heads back to work. And I think I didn't move all night long. I just sat on my bed for the next three hours waiting for him to get off work. And I'm just like staring at the ceiling, like, how did this happen? So I, you know, I pull out my chart and I realize, okay, we had unprotected sex here. And that baby, that sperm had to live for at least five days to be fertilized because I can see exactly when it must have been fertilized. And I decide like, okay, maybe I can work with this. It's probably a girl because girl sperm live longer. In my mind, I'm going, okay, I can justify this if it's a girl. But I had still, you know, we still had to consciously and purposefully decide if we wanted to keep this and carry on with the pregnancy or not. So um, I had dinner with a friend and I started off with like a pros and cons list of why or why not I should carry to full term. You know, and eventually the pros and cons list I was making had turned into a, uh, like a list of demands. It had turned into like, if I carry this baby, would you be willing to? And the very first thing was, um, to give me total trust. And the next thing on the list was support me in an unassisted home birth. And, you know, I, I, he agreed and we decided not to terminate and that we keep it. So tell me a little bit about, about those two requests or those two demands. Yeah. Um, did you, did you worry that you, he, you didn't already have that in place in the relationship, like total, total trust? And then also tell us about, you know, what does it look like for you to align with unassisted birth and why? What, what's the vision there? Oh, so I, 
I'd already listened to the podcast and even joked with him. He'd even listened to the podcast in the car with me. And I'd even like stood next to my bed before and been like, I'm never having another baby. But if I do, it's going to be right here. And he would laugh. And so he knew probably it was a possibility of something that I would do someday if I got given the chance. But we just didn't plan for a child together. He has a child. I have two children Mm -hmm. and we were happy and content in our relationship where it was. Mm -hmm. So I had asked for that total trust because I feel like he gives it to me anyways, but it's kind of shocking to tell someone like I'm planning on doing this thing that it's socially normal to do in a hospital and I'm planning on doing it in our, you know, in our bathroom. (laughs) So that's, that's where we went then is he, you know, some doubts arose for him. And I would say to him, like, you should go talk to someone about that. So that's what he did. Yeah. He scheduled an appointment. He was feeling anxious and he would ask me questions like, um, I don't know what to do if something goes wrong. And I was like, well, what, what does that look like to you? Something going wrong. And he would say, you know, like, what if you pass out? And I was like, I think that's normal. If I pass out, it might be loss of blood and I'll probably come back too. And, you know, we would talk about that. That's like your system resetting. And he would say, you know, I don't know. What if you lose too much? And what if you die? And I'm responsible for witnessing that and not doing anything. So we, you know, that's birth. I said, you know, right there on the cusp. And you'll know when you, if you needed to, If you need to call, you'll know, and I'll tell you. And if I can't tell you, then that's how you'll know. You know, we really had unconscious. Unconscious is a very, very clear sign. That's what I would say. You know, I I might pass out and wake back up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I pass out and wake back up, like I'm fine. If I pass out and don't wake back up, like please call nine one one. We live very close to the hospital, and I mean. It's just something like I knew is a possibility and you have to, you have to know that that's a possibility. You have to think of what's the worst case scenario and do I have a plan for that worst case scenario? But I never, I never had a feeling inside me that I couldn't do it. I knew when I, I knew from listening to all the other women talk how they did it. I knew inside me from the very first free birth that I'd ever heard of, like I could do that. Also, and I'd like to do that. Yes, of course. And if you didn't pass out from the way you were treated in the hospital with the 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 thing screwed into the baby's the you know the fetal scalp monitoring and having your baby taken from you and like if that doesn't cause you to go unconscious then having a normal mammalian birth is certainly going to be fine. You know, like I feel like people always kind of forget like what we're comparing it to and and the fact that you, your constitution could withstand so much um, anti, you know, uh, mammalian, like anti-mother baby, you know, experiences in the hospital and still withstand it, um, I actually think is almost, it's like a bizarre way of flipping it. But um, that like proves that you could handle a normal, healthy birth. You know? For sure. I listened to um, the podcast where the woman was talking about watching her cat give birth. And I just laughed so hard because that's one of the things we are fosters with the NICU kittens at the shelter. So I've seen it. And 
And we watched videos. Like I watched a video of every animal that I could find giving birth on, on YouTube just so I could see how each of these uh, mammals did it and what their kind of coping mechanisms were because I felt like I could really relate to them. What so animal did you relate out. to the most? <laughs> oh, um, there was like a gorilla that was, their birth was so beautiful. And um, the mom reached down and pulled her baby out. And I was oh like, I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I loved all the animals that were standing for me. Like standing always seemed a really cool way to have a baby. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I had a really healthy pregnancy in the beginning. You know, I felt very little sickness, high energy, which was completely opposite of my first two pregnancies. Um, I was at a, I went, I was doing, I was like working out still. I had um, my trainer called a baby an it one day, probably about 12 weeks. And I was like, it's a he. Like I just had this like masculine energy. And I felt it like I wanted to wrestle all the time. Like, um, <laughs> I, I am most plant-based in my diet, but like I was like licking bloody steaks. Like every night I'd be like, let's go eat a steak and hot sauce. I just, I knew it was completely opposite of the first time around. So I really That's felt funny. like it was a boy. Oh man, I wonder if I'm going to need to lick steak. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, I was, it had been like um, earlier in my relationship, I, we would like go out to dinner and I would see him eat a steak and I, it would make me a little ill. It was like an act of love to sit across from someone eating a steak. And it had gotten to the point where I was like eating cold ribs in bed. That's what, that's what pregnancy did to me. Wow. That is funny. So do you choose to have a wild pregnancy? How, what does all that look like? So I had some complications. So I started bleeding and spotting turned into bleeding. Actually, we just started spotting um, end of the first trimester, beginning of the second trimester. And it got to be that I had realized that maybe it was a little more than I was comfortable with. And I decided to go to the emergency room. So I, I said to my partner, like, I just want to go. And we're sitting there waiting and I'm starting to have second, like second guess my thought, like, what are they going to even do for me here? Yeah. But by then, I mean, it was like Super Bowl Sunday and we've been sitting there for hours. So I go back and, you know, they questioned me, they poked and prodded me. And then they took me off for an internal ultrasound without my partner. They had him stay in the room and they took me off for an internal. and. Um, they said, you know, it's a boy, which I already knew. I already had that. And, you know, he looks fine as far as they could tell. So if you continue to bleed, then come back in and um, like have a DNC. And if you have a fever, then you probably have an infection and come back in. And they just gave me a pad and sent me on my way and said that, you know, it's probably an insufficient cervix because I've already had two children. And, you know, they <laughs> said we could stitch it. Oh, my God. You're insufficient. Your service is insufficient and we could stitch it, Ew. which I didn't want. So I went Thank back God. home and I felt terrible that I had gone in the first place. Totally. <laughs> I had that. I, why did I do that? Um, it's funny because at that point it was like, I didn't want a baby. Then I found out I was pregnant and then I still didn't want a baby. And then we had consciously decided to keep that baby and then it became like mine. And I felt like its life was in danger. Hmm. And so I did what the only thing I knew to do because I was still, I feel like I had gotten out of the 
hospital mindset, but like, it's still ingrained in me that like, yeah. So I really second guessed myself and I went and did something that then I regretted. I would say, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily like the most logical, you know, it's more knee jerk. I think for, for a lot of people. And that makes total sense. Like you said, like even we do all this work and then there's still layers and layers. And for anyone listening, I think what you pointed out is really important that it's so, it's so important to really pause and say, what do I expect them to do there? And is that what I really want or need? So it sounds like you went in to get clear if there was a heartbeat or not, you know, which is legit. You're, you're, you're bleeding and and you want to know, and also at the same time, not a critique on your move at all, just for anyone who's kind of thinking about this. If they're in the, if they're in this situation, pretty much anything before like 28 weeks, there's nothing they can do. You know, there's no like, we can't like fix a 12-week fetus if they're not okay or if they are going to die. Um, yeah, so I think I really like... Yeah, I'm just, I appreciate you bringing up that question. I mean, you were already there and, and you went through it, but I think at the same time, we also have to be just like so gentle on ourselves about how much we're unraveling with this journey. And it's not, you know, it's, I wouldn't look at it as like a, a pass fail kind of situation, you know, like every day we're assessing and, and navigating just this enormity of what it means to try something outside the system and, and feel all of that. And it's a deep unknowing and, and it's really complex. And yeah. I felt like it was the most responsible thing I could do in that moment. And then as soon as I got there and I was going through it, I was like, this is not yeah. responsible at all. This isn't protecting me at all. Actually, like the internal uh, ultrasound, as soon as that was happening to me, I was like, oh my gosh, like what if this is going to make something worse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. And going in and then them saying, you know, we could stitch it. I, I was just sure that that would be whatever worse. Oh. So <sighs> headed home and I decided, you know, I need, I thought it will make it much easier to get a birth certificate if I have an OBGYN. So let's start that. It's, it felt like it was time anyways, because of the bleeding and the bleeding didn't really stop my whole pregnancy. I, you know, oftentimes during my pregnancy ha- was bleeding. And, and sometimes just oh, when I would wipe in the morning, sometimes after intercourse and in, in the evening. And it was just something that I had to like learn to live with. And um, I felt more peace about it. The more that it happened actually felt like, okay, I'm still pregnant. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm bleeding again or I bled again yesterday, but I'm still pregnant. And it was like a warning sign to lay down. It was just a warning to listen to myself and to lay down. No, I never had anybody else look at it. I booked that OBGYN appointment and um, I walked in for the first appointment and they just asked me a lot of questions and I didn't even get to meet the OBGYN. And I, I even asked like, am I not, am I not going to get to meet? And they were like, no, this is an intake appointment. So I'm like, all right, well, let's intake. So then the next appointment, I'm supposed to meet the OBGYN and I'm there for at least an hour and 20 minutes waiting. And the at the front desk, I'm just waiting in this room and I'm looking around the room and I'm like, the floor is kind of dirty. And like the front staff isn't very friendly. And I'm just 
she says, you know, will you pee in this cup? And she hands me a Dixie cup, like a little cup you would put mouthwash in. And I was like, just this right here, you want me to pee in this? And she's like, yeah, just go back to the bathroom and pee in it and then set it in the window. And I was like, for what? And she said, we need to confirm you're pregnant. And I was like, I just went to the hospital. Like I'm pregnant. And she said, okay, well then we're going to look for um, protein in the urine. And I said, you know, I'm good. Thanks. No, thanks. So we're just sitting there waiting. And I kind of felt like I was being punished. Like the reason I was waiting so long was because I didn't want to pee in this cup. And I'm sitting there and uh, my partner's with me and he says, you know, what do you think is going to happen today? I was like, well, they're probably going to want to weigh me in, but I don't want to do that. And they're probably going to want to take my blood pressure, but I don't really want to do that. And they might want to do an ultrasound, but I'm going to say no to all ultrasounds from that one forward. And um, I already had my blood work taken like six months ago. So I'm not going to do that again. And I'm definitely not going to take a glucose test. And he was like, why are we here? And I was like, I don't know. There's nothing they can do for me. So plus you could have just used the medical record from that ultrasound as the proof of pregnancy for your birth certificate. Yeah, we did. We did. We walked out. We never saw her. And we just left. He said, do you want to go? I was like, I want to go. And he was like, okay, let's go. Love it. So we left. But you know, sometimes I love that story because you, you, you're testing, you know, like you're, you're feeling things out and you're testing where it is. And when you get a no, you know, and sometimes we don't get a no till, till it's hindsight, but it's still, it's just, it's all an exploration. Yeah. Yeah. I, we head to the grocery store instead. And, um, this lady stops me and is like, Oh, you're so beautiful, pregnant. Um, you know, before you have that baby, you're going to, stare out the window and cry for your mother. You're going to um, get in an argument with your partner and you're going to eat lasagna. And I was like, none of that's happened yet. So I don't think this baby's coming yet. It was such a bizarre interaction that comes into play later on. Foreshadowing. (laughs) So I, I would love for you to speak a little bit more to bleeding throughout the pregnancy because this is something that's not talked about enough. And I think it's far more common than you know, that then most, most women realize if they're not like constantly talking to women in pregnancy. Um, and so, yeah, just, would you speak a little bit more to that, especially your choice to not, you know, do any follow-ups after that first one? Like, how did you choose to kind of lean into that and accept it and not pathologize it and not have it be like a really scary, I'm on the verge of a miscarriage every time you see blood. Um, like how, how did you work with that? You know, sometimes I did feel that way. And sometimes I just felt at peace with it. But um, I was very resolute in that I would never go back to the hospital if I was Mm. miscarrying. So Mm. I had decided then if I miscarry, I'm miscarrying at home. Mm -hmm. So when I would see blood, I would like, am I going to freak out or am I going to lay down? Am I going to put my feet up or am I going to go back to work? So Mm. at this time I was working full time. And I then I think I cut down to three days a week or two days and a half day to, you know, take better care of myself. And that's what I decided, like, okay, what is pregnancy care? And then I decided, what would I want pregnancy care to look like? So I decided, like, I'm going to eat really well. And I'm going to take my own blood pressure occasionally, whenever I would, you know, go to CVS or something and put my arm and take my own blood pressure. I I tested my blood sugar with like a finger prick twice. Um, I traveled, we went to Hawaii, I napped. I ended up uh, quitting my job, listened to lots of other women's free birthing stories. And I just got really clear about what I wanted my birth to look like. And I knew I want to birth at home peacefully. And I want all my children 
to be a part of it if they want to be a part of it. So that included talking to my ex-husband about my birth plan and having, and in the presence of a therapist, our, um, our like ex-marriage therapist, post-marriage therapy. Um, and he, you know, he said to the therapist, like, are you going to tell her about your birth plan or am I? And I was like, what is my birth plan? And I, my kids, you know, they had, they were very aware. My daughters were 10 and 11 and they were very aware I was going to give birth at home because I was very open about it. So, you know, he had a lot of concerns that had, I felt like, I felt like he was back where I was in the beginning. So in his mind, birth is so scary and I could have died and my daughter could have died and the doctor saved us. And if we weren't there, then we both wouldn't be here. So he, you know, he said those things to our kids. You know, he, he told our daughters, you know, um, your baby sibling could die if, if you're not in the hospital. So we had to talk to right, that therapist. No babies die in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, we had to talk to that therapist. And so now, you know, my current partner and my ex-partner have each talked to their own therapist about this. And my kids are brought into it. And, you know, I had to say to him, like, yeah, that's a possibility. Babies die sometimes and mommies die sometimes. It, right. I mean, but birth, birth doesn't have to be scary. And we don't need to, like, fear monger our daughters because they're oh going to give God. birth one day. And I want to show them a different way. Mm. So, um, did he get it? No, definitely not. <laughs> but, and I feel like he even tried to stand in the way, like plan a vacation purposely around my due date just so we couldn't leave. Yeah. But they were there. Fear, man. Fear is there. a powerful thing. Good. I'm glad they were there. Uh, okay. So, so now you're committed to this wild pregnancy. You're, you're gearing up towards, towards your birth, how are you organizing it? Is it just going to be your family, your partner, or do you invite anyone else? And what's, what is kind of those final weeks of spiritual prep look like for you? So I'm not working anymore. And I have talked to my family about my plan. And, you know, I feel like they were very supportive and like, Rebecca does whatever she wants to do kind of a way. They didn't try to stand in the way. I feel like my mom had a couple questions, maybe like, what if something happens to you? And sure. I'm like, things happen. Um, we'll my, with it. Just like yeah. if something happens to us anywhere. So she got on board. Um, I think it was harder for my family to adjust that I, I told them I was going to birth and no one was going to be here and that I didn't want anyone to come visit me after for the first mm-hmm. month. So I was really clear, like, I need a whole month to myself to lay in bed and nurse and connect. And my partner um, took that time off of work. Nice. So that was wow. my major planning for the birth was um, what it would look like afterwards, I guess. Good. And that, and that my daughters were present. So that was really important to me. So my partner at one point was trying to read a book, a doula book that I had lying around my house. And I'm like walking the room. I'm like, what are you doing? And he was like, looking at like comfort measures and positions for you. And I was like, snatched the book out of his hand. I said, what are you doing? Like, no, I don't need you to read that. And he said, like, it makes me feel better. And I was like, well, it makes me feel worse. Like you'll, 
in our relationship, when I need something from you, I ask for it, right? Like, it's going to be just like that. I definitely don't want you to like, without some move and still tell me like, I I saw this in a book once. (laughs) I was just sure that that would be so annoying. So I hid the book. And I had had, we're at like, since 30 weeks, I was having pre-labor. I would have like very intense contractions, but they, I just normalize them as part of my day to day now. Um, same with my mucus plug. I would bleed or have drops of blood and lose my mucus plug from about 30 weeks on. So I would lose my mucus plug and think like, oh my gosh, it's way too soon. And then a couple of days would go by and I'd lose another one. And it was the same glob that the first one was. Mm. So I had never known that our bodies could just regenerate that mucus plug over and over again. So maybe my cervix wasn't as strong as it could have been from my first two births, but my body knew exactly what to do. It was plugging Sounds pretty it up. strong. <laughs> yeah, I was plugging yeah. it up and um, over and over again. Yeah. So the morning uh, right before, so the morning before my birth, I woke up and my husband was already at work and I felt this like huge burst of energy like giant, like I woke up and it was like seven, eight in the morning. And I just told all the kids, like the other three kids, I'm like, we're going to go to the lake today. Like we're going to pack the car and go to the lake. And I was probably about two weeks out from having a baby. So I felt like I have a long time left. I'd also told myself like, you're going to go over, like definitely going to go over because my other births had Pitocin. So I thought, you know, I'm definitely going to go over and let's just go have one last hurrah before we have a baby. So we go to the lake and have so much fun. And I drove everybody home and we got to Italian food that night and I ordered lasagna and then we go to bed. Yeah. And the next morning I woke up and I had contractions again. So this was just every morning I had contractions so much that I just thought it was going to be my normal day to day. I didn't, it didn't even alert me that labor could possibly be on the way. So I decided we're going to get groceries for the next two weeks and I load everyone in the car and I take them drive through donuts. And like, as I'm waiting, you know, I'm having like contractions that feel a little different. Like they're wrapping around my back a little bit. And I was like, all right, I still have so long to go. So we head to the grocery store and we walk in. And the first thing that I do is go to the bathroom. So I checked, um, we walked in and we passed the women who, you know, checks your receipt on the way out. And, you know, say good morning and run over and go to the bathroom. And like, as I'm in the bathroom, I have a, a contraction so hard that my knees are shaking. They're like vibrating. And I was like, oh my goodness, that one was terrible. And I wiped and I had a different color of blood than I normally had had. Um, I had like bright red um, streak of blood on my paper, on my um, toilet paper. And I was like, I think I'm having a baby. So I tell the kids, they're all in there waiting with me. I'm like, you know what? We're going to have a baby. Like I'm having a baby right now. So we're not going to get groceries. Like we're just going to go home. And they're like, oh my gosh. So we're walking out of the store and we have to walk past this lady again. And the little boy, he's five. He's like, we're, you're, so you're having a baby right now? And the one looks at us like, oh no. Like, yeah, we're going to, let's go home so we can have our baby. Cute. So we drive home and it's like shark week. It's July. So it's shark week. And we're watching TV a little bit and these contractions just start rolling through. They're just going so strong. So I'm trying to distract myself. Um, watching TV with the kids and I like 
get out all the fingernail polish in the house and let all the kids paint their nails. And I paint all my fingernails gold and the contractions are like harder and harder. And I'm like, why did I just like, I want to reach my hands inside myself. Why did I just oh, paint my no. fingernails gold? Yeah. <laughs> I'm hurrying up and getting all this fingernail polish up. Oh, that's funny. Oh, the contractions were so intense. They're just one after another. So back to my medical mind, I download a contraction app. <laughs> like that's going to tell me anything. And sure enough, they're like every three minutes apart and they're not stopping. So I pick the phone, I call my partner and I'm like, um, hey, I'm having contractions, you know? And he said, do you need me to come home? I said, no, I don't need you to come home, but they're not stopping. I think today might be the day. But I had kind of overdone it the day before at the lake. So I wasn't sure. I wasn't yeah. 100% sure because they didn't hurt. They were just intense. So it had finally gotten to the point about 2.30 or 3, right before he gets home from work, that I just asked all the kids to leave my bedroom. And I shut off Shark Week. And I got the big yoga ball. And I just started... My hips hurt. I have like nerve pain from my earlier epidural. And so I just got on this ball and I'm just trying to loosen everything up, trying to loosen up my nerves. And, you know, he calls again and says, I'm on my way home. Can I bring you anything? I was like, just get home. So he comes in the door and from then on in my night, like time stands still, I couldn't even tell you what time it is. Like we shut the windows to my bedroom and we lit a candle in the bathroom. The bathroom's attached to the bedroom. And just a little bit of hot water in the tub. And I got in and my oldest daughter came in and she had made me, she asked what she could do for the birth. I said, we make me a, a playlist, a birth playlist. So she's got all this beautiful drumming music and flute music. And Cute. she's just talking to me, watching me. You know, I was, I told them in advance, you know, I might scream, but I never did. I just breathed through everything. I was trying to stay really calm so they wouldn't, be alerted, but it also, I never felt like I needed to. Okay. I did a lot of my own cervical checks during my, during my labor. It just felt right. So I would just reach inside and okay, I'm dilated a little bit. Okay. I'm dilated a little bit more. I would just check myself, um, over the labor. And I was also telling myself probably from listening to all these other women, like my labor could be three days long. So this is normal. This could be days and days of feeling like this. And I would also say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pass out. It's just going to be for a minute, but I'm going to pass out and I'm going to throw up, but that's okay. And I'm probably going to poop and that's okay too. And I just had all these like worst case scenario that I was, had been normalizing. All at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that I had just been normalizing like all these worst case scenario just in case they happened, then it's, then it would be fine. Yeah. No, I was, I was also saying like, I'm going to bleed a lot. Like I would tell my partner that and the kids that like, I'm going to bleed. There's going to be a lot of blood just so they weren't alarmed when they saw these things. Um, okay. So this song came on the playlist. It was called the victory dance. It was the last song on the whole playlist. And I was like, what is that beating drum? Like, you have to shut that off right now. And they ran in the room and they shut it off and they turned it back on to the very beginning of the playlist. And I got in the tub and I was probably taking every contraction I had. I would hold myself up on my wrists 
And then I would let myself back down and hold myself up on my wrist during a contraction again and let myself back down until eventually um, I just crawled out of the tub and went into the bedroom and laid on the floor. And I probably took like a little nap. I felt like all the contractions had stopped and I could see that it got dark outside. And I just felt so relaxed and peaceful and there were no more contractions and there were no more intense pressure. I just laid there for a few minutes. And then I got this feeling like I need to go to the restroom and everyone goes to follow me everywhere I'm going. Just so you know, the whole family is just right there. So I'm just like, everybody leave me alone. Everybody leave me alone for a minute. I'm going to go to the bathroom and then I'll come back. But I knew in my head, like things were changing. Mm -hmm. I went into the bathroom and, um, I just felt like I needed to go to the restroom, but nothing would come out. It felt like I needed to pee, but I couldn't pee. It felt like I needed to poop, but I couldn't poop. And the contractions were getting stronger and stronger. And, you know, right at the moment, I thought like, I, I cannot go on another minute. Like right at the minute where I was, you know, like, I don't know if I can do this. It was the only second I thought, like, I don't know if I can do this. I... I looked over and saw like some chapstick and some gum and I did it. I just put that chapstick on and put that gum in my mouth. And I was like a warrior. I was like, I got this. Like whatever's <laughs> coming, I got this. And my partner walks in the room with his son at that time. And he says that I looked like a fighter that was like coming out of the corner of the ring. <laughs> it was like for another round. And I felt like that. I felt like a new surge of energy. Like, okay, whatever's next, I got it. And um, his son said to me, I was sitting on the toilet and his son said to me, like, I can see the baby's head. And I was like, what? And I looked down and my waters were just mm -hmm. bulging and they felt so strong. I couldn't <laughs> see anything. I couldn't see anything. The sack yeah. was bulging and I reached my hand down and I felt it. And I was like, this, that's so incredible. Cool. It's so yeah. strong. Yeah. It, it felt like the thickest balloon, like the strongest thing. It was holding mm. that whole baby in there for me. And I read somewhere that it's only one cell thick. That's incredible. Isn't that insane? If someone fact checked me, I could be wrong. But I remember reading that and having my mind blown. <laughs> wow. So this little boy screams out to the whole house, like both his big sister is like, the baby's coming. I see the baby's head, Aww. which was not the baby's head, but it alerted everybody to run in there. And um, I stood up next to the bathtub and I had these little this little handlebar next to the tub and I'm holding onto it and my knees were shaking and I heard a pop. Like you could hear the sound and my waters burst open and it was the most incredible feeling ever. I must've been smiling ear to ear. Like I let out a sigh of pleasure. It was the best feeling ever. It went from my whole vagina being under so much pressure to like the most mm -hmm. amazing feeling ever. Oh, and it was just bliss. It was, it didn't hurt at all from that second forward. It was, it felt so good. I stood next to the toilet and I grabbed the railing and my legs were shaking and it felt like a train of energy was flowing through my body. It was so fast. I was just pleading with the baby, like slow down, baby, slow down. And I was put my hand down and his little head was there. And I tried to hold him in because it just felt like he was flying out of me. There was just so much energy, like from my head down to my feet as I crouched next to the tub. Um, and his head presented and his body just started to like, turn around on its own. And I reached and I could feel that he had so much snot coming out of his nose. So I reached and I pulled the snot and I reached and pulled the snot again. And 
Um, you know, his dad just grabbed a towel and he just shot himself out. I never pushed once. And I put him upside down. He handed me the baby and I sat back down on the toilet. We put a towel over top of the toilet. So I'm sitting on a towel and I put the baby upside down and wiped the snot from his nose. I think I put my mouth on his nose and sucked and listened to his lungs and flipped him upside down. They're a little raspy. So he's facing the ground and I'm just rubbing his back, rubbing his back. And then I flip him back over and he let out the sweetest cry. Mm. and everybody's holding him and kissing him and he's still attached to me. So Mm. I reached my hand down to touch myself for the first time and I felt that half of the sack was hanging out of me and his cord was so short. Mm -hmm. So I just pulled on the sack, not on the cord. I just pulled of what of the sack was hanging out of me and pulled the rest of it out. And we put it in a bowl and I just took one step over into the tub And when I looked up, my whole family, my two daughters and my stepson and my cat (laughs) and my partner were the only ones in my whole house. And they were just looking at me with the sweetest eyes and no one talked. Everyone was just looking at me in in amazement and right there to help. Yeah. So I took a bath and my older daughters helped give me a bath. They sat on the edge and talked to me and the boys went and cleaned up the two towels takes to have a baby. (laughs) That's all we needed. Yeah. And it was just bliss. Um, I took a bath. And you didn't, you didn't poop, puke, pass out, have lots of blood. It didn't last three days. None of those things happened, but I was ready for them if they did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, waddled to the bed, our own bed. And we just laid there peacefully and the big daughter and the little boy went off to bed. And then my middle daughter, who hadn't helped so far, stepped into her role of postpartum doula. Oh my God. Yeah, she brought me water and she went and got a comb and she brushed our little baby boy's hair. And he didn't have a name yet. So we talked about what we should name him. And she like brushed all the crud out of his hair and kissed him and loved on him. And I had felt like I had torn. So um, I, I, I looked with my phone. I took a picture and realized that I had a couple little tears and they weren't bleeding anymore. But one of them for cosmetic purposes, I thought like I had a midwife on call if I needed her. And so I thought I'm going to give her a call, but I'm going to wait a couple hours. So I probably waited, you know, until 11 o'clock at night. And then I just picked the phone and called her and she answered. And she said she almost didn't answer because she didn't have my number saved. But she drove two hours at least to come to my house and to look at my my tears. And she asked me each one, here's what this one looks like. Do you want it stitched? Here's what this one looks like. So I had one stitch for cosmetic purposes and ended up not even letting those stitches heal. I ended up taking them out. I, yeah, I have a scar there, but it's like your labia has like breakaway points where they're supposed to open up. And it did. So I just embrace it. And um, by I love that you called them breakaway points. Yeah, that's my partner. He's like, they're like breakaway points right there. And I'm like, yeah, they are. really funny. They really are. Also, I want to kind of challenge this like cosmetic purposes. Like, come on. (laughs) I was like, you know, it's not the cutest thing anymore. Like maybe we could just put that back together right there. 
<laughs> but now we joke, we call it like my Harry Potter power scar. Like, yeah. it's because I birthed in my bathroom. That's why I have yeah, that. Yeah, and it's, it's, meant to, it's meant to change, right? I mean, yeah. if you took a picture of your yoni every five years, every 10 years, it would, it would have a story to tell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'll have to find all those pictures I've taken. Yeah, right. Make a little flipbook. So then, okay, so you did have her stitch something, but then you took the stitches I out. I took them out, yeah. But it, I would say it was useful that she came because she provided some final documentation of the actual birth for me. Mm-hmm. So I was able to use that with the beginning ultrasound documents yeah. to obtain the birth certificate. Super easy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know if it was 100% necessary, but it was like very smooth Tough because oil. of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how would you speak to how this has changed you or shaped you as the woman you are today a year later? Oh man, it's helped me so much in my relationship. Um, Even afterwards, like we were able to be intimate right away. I mean, we had, we had like the most wonderful intimacy just a few weeks after I had the baby. There's just so much trust there. So it just built a whole new level of trust between us that is really beautiful. (laughs) And it's made mothering. Now I trust, so I trust him and he trusts me and I trust my own mothering skills. I have had like such a hard time nursing for the last year, but just held in Mm. because it's my mantra. Like I had a baby in my bathroom. So when things get hard, things get really hard. I'm like, you know what? I had a baby in my bathroom. Like I can do this. Mm. Like I can do anything. Yeah. I know a woman who became a triathlete after her free birth because she was like, what can't I do? Exactly. That's badass. So are are you the one, or I mean, I know there's more than more than one, but didn't you have a medical background? I worked in the NICU. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Totally left the system once I took that once I took that fertility awareness class, then it got me all into natural birth. And then the more I learned about that, the every time I would go to a birth, you know, it felt so draining on me. Yeah. And I felt like like ripping that woman out of the hospital and taking her home with me. So you were a NICU nurse? No, no. I just volunteered in the NICU. Oh, just a okay. birth worker. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. So now we're one year later and um, we had another positive pregnancy test. Um, and we we lost the baby. Oh, no. But I did it at home in power. Really? Yeah. I decided... How far along was the first was the first first trimester? And Aww. it felt like... It felt like there's no need to go to the hospital. And there's nothing that the emergency room can do for me. And because of my first experience, almost losing um, the baby, it showed me that I could... And having a baby at home, you know, it showed me like, I can do this at home too. So we just used herbs when- and... When you say because of your first experience, almost losing the baby, what are you referring to? I'm going to the hospital when I was pregnant and seeing what would have happened had I lost that baby there. You know, gotcha. there's nothing that they could have done for me. Right, 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 right. Get, I mean, they can dope you up and, and vacuum the pregnancy tissue out, you know? Yeah, which I definitely didn't want. 
Right. And I knew well, like, this is, I was going to say, ahead. I knew I had already had a healthy baby here at home. And so whatever was going to happen, if I was losing the baby, I was just going to do it here where I felt safe, surrounded by the people mm-hmm. that I love, which is how of I course. did it the first time around. Um, I had, and we named our baby Rad for Radical Women, the Radical Women on the Reverse Society. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> yeah. So how long ago was was that loss? Um, a month and a half. Mm, so yeah. pretty fresh. So pretty fresh. Yeah, but it really is a whole different way of life, you know, like to to take these steps outside the system and reclaim your sovereignty and your power and and then things just start to simplify in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, when we return back to ourselves. Yeah, for sure. I just knew, you know, this is where I'm safe and my body knows what to do. Just like my body knew how to birth, my body knows how to how to have a loss. Of course. It's intelligent, right? It's highly adaptive that your body would would release a a pregnancy that's not optimal or viable. And yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. We yeah. need more we need more stories of women releasing pregnancies at home because my God, can it be traumatic to go go get in the system with that? Yeah, that's what I was so afraid. Like people would be like, Oh, you're so brave. And I felt like I'm not brave at all. You know how how terrified I would be to go to a hospital and do this? Like those women are brave. Like that. I can't even imagine putting myself in someone else's hands to take care of me. Yeah, Yolanda told me a long time ago when we were first becoming friends how she someone had just told her she was brave and she was like, I free birth because I'm a wimp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. that was so, so you free birthed your IUD. Yes. You free birthed your son. Yes. And then you free birthed a miscarriage. Yes, I did. <laughs> With a lot Go, of girl. inspiration from all the other women that have shared their stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we got to do is to keep sharing them. It's, yeah, the more stories, really, the yeah, more stories exactly. I have heard, the more normal it became for me. Exactly. Yeah, because it's already inside of us. It's just the the remembering, really. And, and we need sisters to bring us back to that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Sure. Thank you for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure to hear your story today. Yeah. Thank you so much. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. Our opening song is by Shyla Ray. And now I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me.
My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts. Keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the stars.